We want to thank you for joining us for our series on the Holy Spirit, Enabling Power. We pray that you will allow God to speak to you in a new way. So sit back and be blessed. Put your hand on your heart. We're going to pray for you today. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you today that you are in this place. We don't take those words lightly because we believe that your word declares where two or three are gathered together in your name. The promise is you're here. And God, every time you show up, you show up with a purpose. And God, that's to change our lives. And God, we pray that you would begin in our heart. We're not laying hands on our heads. We're not laying hands on our feet. We're laying hands on our heart because that's where we experience relationship with you. And we pray, God, speak to us. May our hearts be open to receive your word today as our ears hear what you would say to us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. What an awesome series we've had throughout the entirety of this month as we have been talking about the Holy Spirit, the enabling power of what the Holy Spirit longs to be in each one of your lives, the power source that you can be connected to that will enable you and I to live a life of victory, to be able to beat those habits, to be able to make it through the rough times and the struggles of life. God says, I'm not leaving you alone, but I'm sending the Holy Spirit to be an enabling power to be able to help you to live. Come on, the Holy Spirit is the promise of God to His church. Salvation is God's gift to the world. The Holy Spirit is God's gift to His church. And it's not just a gift to receive, it's a gift that wants to infill us, or as Jesus said, to baptize us, to completely occupy our lives. And what a great journey. We have been on throughout this month. We've looked at the who, who the Holy Spirit is. He's a person. He's God. He is the person of God for your life right now. We've discovered what He is, looking at the Scriptures from Genesis all the way through Revelation. We've discovered everything, what He is and what He wants to be in our lives. Last week, we looked at the why. Why do we need Him? Why? Because we need some power. We need some help. We need some support in our lives. And along with other great key truths and We had a great question and answer night Wednesday. And incidentally, if you still want some questions answered, please submit those and put your email address and we will reply to every question that you send in. But today, I want to talk about the life. Say with me, the life. life. Come on, say it with some life today. Can you do that? Come on, can you say the life? The life. life. What you are going to experience every day in your life. You see, the Holy Spirit isn't just a moment when you come to the front or in your car or wherever you may be, where where you feel His presence come upon you and infill you with a heavenly language. That's not what He wants to be, just that moment. Thank God for that moment. It starts with a moment. Salvation starts with a decision. But then what is it? It's an experience each and every day. It's the same with the Holy Spirit. It's an experience, a life that He wants us to be involved in and to live and to grow in each and every day. It's a new lifestyle. It's a new you. It's a new way of living. We presented it this way the first week. The Holy Spirit is a vital ingredient. A vital ingredient. A vital ingredient, if substituted, will never or will affect the outcome. 
If you're cooking and it needs an egg and you try to find something else instead of an egg, that's a vital ingredient. Remember we talked about crawfish etouffee. And if you don't have the vital ingredient, which is crawfish, all you've got is a gravy. You cannot substitute it and it becomes the same thing. Come on, the Holy Spirit is something we need in our lives. And we have tried to substitute it with everything else, but the outcome is not what God really intended for our life to have. So we need the Holy Spirit in our life. We need to live a Spirit-filled life, the life. But before we get into that part of the message, I just want to visit something else because I'm conscious that any time we teach something like this, there are many groups of people, even right now today. There are some of you that are, this is maybe the first time you're hearing about the Holy Spirit and how He wants to infill you. There's others of you that you've been asking to be filled. You've been seeking the gift, the baptism for a long time. Maybe this month, maybe it's been six months, maybe it's been six years and you haven't been filled yet. Maybe you're still kind of on the fence just a little bit. And can I just say something? Sitting on the fence is pretty uncomfortable. And you don't want to stay there too long. But some of you a little bit cynical. Some of you a little bit unsure. Again, that's why we've been teaching. And there may be some of you right now that you are just so opposed to the Holy Spirit. You just say, I don't want it. I don't need it. I don't believe in it. I don't believe it's for our lives right now. I believe it was in the Bible because it was recorded, but I just don't believe it's something that I need for my life right now. Can I just talk to those of you right now that may find yourself in one of those groups just for a few moments? Look at this scripture. It comes from Luke chapter 3, verse 21 and 22. This is speaking of Jesus when he was being baptized in water, but he was also at the same time baptized with the Holy Spirit. And look what the Bible says in Luke's reference to this or Luke's account. Luke 3, 21 and 22, it says, when the people were baptized, it came to pass that Jesus was also baptized. And while he prayed, the heavens were opened and the Holy Spirit descended in bodily form like a dove. Wasn't a dove a symbol of the Holy Spirit, but like a dove came upon him and a voice came from heaven, which said, you are my beloved son in you. I am well pleased. Here we see Jesus coming to the Jordan River to be baptized by John. It's very interesting if you were to do a search throughout the entirety of God's Word, anytime the Jordan River is mentioned, it usually represents a place of change or transition. Something's about to happen. For example, the children of Israel, they they crossed the Jordan, leaving a wilderness experience, entering into God's promised land. It was that which separated their wilderness from their promise. I think it's pretty interesting to realize that in our lives, there are obstacles that are keeping us from where we need to go. I think it's pretty interesting that the Bible would speak in this reference about Jesus being baptized in a Jordan River, a place of change or transition throughout the entirety of God's Word. Why? Because He went in one way and He came out another way. God wants us to break through the obstacles or the so-called boundaries that we've perhaps put up. Oh, I don't agree with this or I don't want that. There are so many obstacles and boundaries that we can put up that 
that tend to do what? They tend to define our life. Instead of us in God having a defined life, we allow the obstacles to begin to tell us who we are, what we are. How many times have we allowed the enemy to tell us who we are? Come on, we don't allow the obstacles, the enemy, the opposition to tell us who we are, but rather we trust in God. He's not going to stop a change in our lives. So we've got to refuse to be contained any longer and controlled. We've got to make a decision to step into our Jordan experience and realize that God has a great change and breakthrough for your life. Some thoughts about stepping into change. It can be intimidating. It can be intimidating to think. When the children of Israel, it's pretty interesting to know that when the children of Israel went to cross into their promise, you would have thought in the natural thinking as we do that God would have dried up the river so all they had to do was just walk across. It's amazing that the Bible tells us that when they stood ready to cross, the river was at flood stage. And because it was at flood stage, most scholars have told us that the river was probably at least one mile across. That's a long way. We're not talking about jumping in one side, holding our breath and being able to swim under. That's a mile. That's a whole long space for us to go over. And not just a few of us, over two million of us to go through that. And many times that can be intimidating as we look and we see and we feel there's no way I can do that. There's no way I could ever hope of doing that. So we can be intimidated by our Jordans. We can also be bound by fear. Because if I step in and pastor talks about change, then what next for my life? Because at least now I know what to expect each and every day. I wake up the same each and every I maybe don't like who I am each and every day. And I know there's got to be more, but it's safe. It's become me. I know what to expect. And so many times, because of fear, we allow ourselves to live that way. Complacency is one of Satan's greatest tools that he can use upon our life just to make us feel that life will never change. We're just going to have to be the same and we go into coast mode. Also, we can begin to look and say, well, I don't think that's where I need to go. That's not the change my life needs because I don't like it. I don't believe in it. I don't want that. If God wanted it for me, then he would have given it to me and I would have had it by now. But what two things did we just read of in that passage that I believe Jesus did that can be catalysts for us to step into change, to believe God, to take us from a wilderness into a promise, to believe for God, to take us into the best that he has for us. Here's what I believe we see. First and foremost, Jesus had a spiritual hunger. He had a hunger. Why? He wanted to be baptized. I didn't read in that account that his mother Mary brought him down and said, Son, you're going to go in that river and you're going to be baptized. I don't read of other people forcing him. It says that Jesus came willingly himself and he came to be baptized. And it's very interesting that when he came to be baptized, that John even tried to deter him. John even tried to stop him. It wasn't because John did not want him to be baptized. It was because John felt unworthy. 
to baptize the one he said, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the earth. He's talking about this Messiah that would come and in the middle of a conversation or a message, he looks and says, behold, there he is, the Lamb of God. And John says, I can't baptize you. You need to baptize me. But look what it says in Matthew 3, verse 14 and 15. And John tried to prevent him saying, I need to be baptized by you and you are coming to me. But Jesus answered and said unto him, Permit it to be now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then John allowed him. Notice the New Living Translation says of John or Jesus, It must be done, Jesus says, because we must do everything that is right. Jesus had a hunger for everything his Father had for him. Every experience. I don't know about you in my life. I want everything that God has available for me. I I want it all. And maybe I'm being greedy, but I want a double portion of it. Come on, I want more than I need. And that's the God that I serve because he gives me more than I need. Why? So I can meet another's need. So I can touch other people. And God wants to pour his spirit. So Jesus had a hunger. What do we see? Secondly, he had. He prayed. He had a prayer life. He prayed. Look what it says in Luke 3, verse 21. The last part, it says, And while he prayed... The heavens were opened. His prayer opened the heavens. And when the heaven was opened, the Holy Spirit came upon him. You see, today you may say, I haven't received, don't want to, don't know about it. Here's what I ask for you to have in your life today. A hunger for God and the things of God. And I ask for you to pray, which is petitioning asking, conversating with God. Each one of you begin to pray and stay hungry before God and say, God, if this is what you have for me, God, I'm not going to be denied. Come on, I'm going to keep asking. I'm going to keep believing. I'm going to position myself to receive. Even today, if you're cynical, just open up your heart today and say, God, if your Holy Spirit is real, give it to me. I want it. And I promise you right now, you will not be disappointed when he comes. You will not be disappointed. So I just really felt I wanted to present those thoughts to you today. For those of you who may find yourself still searching, seeking, haven't received, be hungry for God. Stay hungry for God. And keep in prayer. Keep trusting God. Keep believing. Don't allow the enemy to come in. Don't have conversation with the devil because I'm telling you, every time his lips move, he's lying. You can't conversate with someone like that. So you don't pray to the devil, you pray to God. And you let the God that you pray to handle the devil who's trying to distract you. But you keep praying and seek God and have a hunger in your life. Amen? Amen. So that's a bonus for you today. So today we're going to talk about the life. The life. Say with me again, the life. How we can be spirit-filled and spirit-led every day in our lives. I want to show you three key areas And three key things that the Holy Spirit promises to be in each one of our lives every day as we live out life. So number one, are you ready? If you're taking notes, take this down. If you're not taking notes, still write it down. Here it goes. Number one, direction. 
The Holy Spirit wants to lead your life. Luke 4 verse 1, Then Jesus, being filled with the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan. The account that we just read, He's just been baptized. He returns from that experience now, being filled with the Holy Spirit, and He was led by the Spirit of God into the wilderness. What do we see? The first role of the Holy Spirit was to lead his life. We could look and say, obviously, led his life wrong, because why would God's Spirit lead anyone into a wilderness? Sometimes in our lives, there are going to be wilderness moments. And we're going to discover a little bit later that it's during those times of resistance that we will see the greatest growth in our lives. But the Holy Spirit, the first working of the Holy Spirit was to lead Jesus, to direct his life. Later, as Jesus would talk about him leaving, as him departing from this world, he left instruction to his disciples. And he said these words to them from John 16, verse 13. He says, however, when the Holy Spirit has come, that which you're going to tarry for, that which you're going to wait for, and the indwelling presence of God that's going to baptize you. Jesus says, when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, He will guide you into... Help me out, it's on the screen. He will guide you into all truth. What does He want to do? He wants to guide my life. He longs to lead my life. So the first result of Spirit-filled life is pretty clear and amazing. Being led, having direction in our life. And what incredible benefits come to each one of us when we are led by the right person. When we are led in the right direction, where we are taken to where God wants us to be. We desperately, every one of us needs to be led. We need direction in our lives. Anyone ever been lost? Anyone ever got lost in your life? It's not a nice feeling, is it? Don't matter how old, how young you are, it's not a nice feeling to be lost. And as a parent, we have the double whammy. I know what it is to have a double experience. I know how it is to be lost, and I know what it's like to lose a child. Anyone ever been with me with that? Remember when your kids are little and it was fun for them to hide? Brittany thought it would be fun to hide when we were shopping in the mall one day. We were in the department store in the mall, and all of a sudden we turn around, she is gone. We're shouting, we're calling out, we're frantic. You don't care how you look, you don't care how you sound. When you've lost a kid, everyone's going to help you look, and if not, you're going to make them look, amen? You're just frantic, you're worried, you're concerned, things are going on, you're panicking. There's just all this emotion that's going on inside of you. Why? Because something of value or you of value have been lost. I remember as a young man, I was about 16 years of age, we were part in England in our school that I went to. We, we were part of a combined cadet force that we had to be a part of. I was in the army section of that and we, we used to do drills and we used to do things and we had to dress up in uniform and we learned how to march and salute and we learned all these different things. Well, one day they took us to the British training ground where they trained the British troops and it was an incredible facility, thousands and thousands of acres, a massive, massive place and Everything looked the same. It really did. And they dropped off a group of us here, and they dropped off another group about two miles away. 
And what we had to do is we had to set up camp. And then during the day, we had to go and find where the enemy was, the other group. And it was our responsibility at night to go and attack their group and surprise them and find out what they were and who they were. So we had to divide into two companies. One of our companies was what was called a, uh, a, a, a where we had to go out. What's the word for that? Reconnaissance. We were reconnaissance. We had to go out and we had to find the enemy. And then another group of us were set up to ambush their reconnaissance. So they had to send out something. And we had a group that could act. Now, don't worry. They were duds. We didn't have real bullets. It wasn't this thing. We just had to jump up and scare them to death. And then they had to run back home or whatever. But it was our job. Well, I remember I was the lead guide on our reconnaissance mission. And I went out. And while I was out, all my buddies stayed in the tree line. And I went out. Well, while I went out... I didn't realize that the other reconnaissance party was right beside us. And I had to lay down in some brush. And what, I didn't re- what they didn't realize was I'm laying there and I was as close to them as Pete was to me right there. They couldn't see me. In fact, the commander over the whole thing was right there. I could have jumped up and pam, could have popped him, but I wasn't allowed to. So I had to lay there and I laid there and I laid there. Well, guess what my friends did when they saw the other people come? Guess what they did? They booked it and took it off. So they leave me here. So I'm left. They decide that they're going to have a break and sit there for about 30 minutes beside me. So I'm laying there. I can't move, hardly breathe. And then by the time they move, I get up, go back to the woods. My friends have all gone. I'm looking everywhere for them. I don't have the maps. I don't have the stuff because someone else in our unit had that. I didn't have it. Talk about lost. I was walking around for hours and hours and hours and hours. I didn't care about being on reconnaissance anymore, not being seen by the enemy. I was just like jumping. I was like shouting. I mean, if I had bullets, they didn't even give me bullets that day. But if I did, I'd have been shooting them off. You know, I'm over here. I'm over here. Come and get it. Come and get it. But I remember the horrific feeling I've just been lost, having nowhere, everything looking the same, and it started to get dark. And finally, I saw someone, and I was rescued, and I was saved. But I remember that feeling. I remember what it was to lose Brittany, and then to find her, just that feeling of just being found, or finding that which was lost. What an incredible feeling. But you know, there are so many people today in this world who are lost. There's so many people who are going through that frantic feeling in life that they don't have peace, that they don't have, they feel vulnerable because they're lost. And one thing I've realized about being lost is this. Many times you are only one simple instruction away from being either lost or found. You are just one simple, you can be in the middle of nowhere and not know where you are and see someone and they can say to, oh yeah, I know where to go, just down here, take the second left, third right, keep going straight a few miles and you'll be right there. Just one instruction can help you go from a place of being completely lost to a place of being completely found. And you know what they say about men, don't you? What they say about men, they never ask directions. Thank God, men, for GPS. Anyone thank God for GPS? It protects our manhood now. We don't have to ask for directions. We can get there on our own. But think about all the lost time and energy and sweat and aggravation and fear and unrest and fighting perhaps with our spouse that we could save if we just, what, asked? If we just followed proper direction. Isn't it amazing that the Holy Spirit wants to lead our lives. 
Think about how much aggravation, wasted time, energies, finding ourselves lost in the wrong places we could avoid by just a simple ask and by allowing Him to lead and guide our life. But I also want to interject this thought here that someone had asked a great question on Wednesday night. They asked this question, can you be filled with the Spirit but yet not walk in the Spirit? The answer is yes. It's the same with being saved. You can act not saved. You can choose not to be saved. And it's the same way. You've got to live in that life. You've got to trust in God because people can be filled with the Holy Spirit and His leading, guiding power is there. But we can choose not to follow God. We can choose not to listen to Him. And you know one of the main reasons we don't listen to God is because of pride. Pride. Pride says what? I don't need God. Pride says, I don't need anyone. I don't need any help. I can do it on my own. I used this illustration when, in the first service about how when our children were taking the training wheels off their bike and, and all of a sudden you, you run alongside them, don't you, and you hold that seat. And what do kids say straight away? I've got this. I've got this. I can do it. I can do it. And they want you to release. They want, but as a parent, you know what? They haven't got it yet. So what do you do? You keep, I'm here. You keep going, keep going, keep going. You see, that's what pride wants us to do. God, get your hands off my life. Thank God for saving me. Thank God for taking the training wheels. Thank God for giving me that push and that boost. But God, I've got it now. And then what happens? Boom, we fall flat. And what do we do? God, why did you let me down? Why, why God, did you let go? Why? Because of pride. Pride, pride. Let me give you two scriptures on pride. There's many more in the Word of God, but two scriptures, Proverbs 16, verse 8, says this, pride goes before destruction. In other words, there's going to be destruction wherever pride is. Pride is the pre to the destruction. It's going to happen in our lives, and a haughty or an elevated spirit before a fall or a stumble. First Peter 5, verse 5, the last part of that verse, it says this, God resists the proud but he gives grace to the humble. Just in those scriptures, I hope you would see that pride is not good and pride is definitely not God. It's not what God has for your life. Why? Because God doesn't want to set your life up for destruction, for a fall. God doesn't want to resist you in a life. God wants to work with you. God wants to build you, to help you, to strengthen you, not to destroy your life, but to build your life. So you've got to realize when I shut off my life from being spirit-led, and I'm going my own way, I'm not going to like the outcome of my life. But God's Holy Spirit wants to lead me and guide me. I love this scripture from Isaiah 30, verse 21. Isaiah 30, verse 21. Can you see God, the Holy Spirit, in the picture of this? Your ears shall hear a word behind you, saying, this is the way. Walk in it whenever you turn to the right hand or whenever you turn to the left. Can't you see the picture of God that God is literally there with you, whispering behind you, saying, here's the way to go. That his Holy Spirit wants to direct you in the way you should go, but not only in the way, but to encourage you to what? Walk in the way. My footnotes say in my Bible, we can hear the voice of God. But we must be willing to follow the voice of God. We can all hear that gentle nudge of the Holy Spirit. But we've got to be willing to follow. God knows the best direction for your life. 
God has the best course for your life. And as we said earlier, the first point of call for Jesus, when he was filled with the Holy Spirit, the Spirit led him to a wilderness. God has the best direction for your life, and it may not always be through smooth waters. Why is that? Can I help you out right now? You better Twitter this. You better repost this and put this out. Are you ready? Here's something good for you today, okay? God is more interested in your character than he is your comforts. He's more interested in you than the circumstances around you. I didn't say he doesn't care about the circumstances, but what does he care about? You in the middle of the circumstances. You see, God wants to use the adversities of life to build your life, to build who you are, because character is who you are. One of the best definitions of character I've ever had is this, who you are in the dark, when no one else is watching. When no one else is looking, who are you? When all the buttons are pushed, what comes out of you? That's your character. That's what you are. And God's not interested in your comfort. He's interested in your character. Because God can give you comfort in the midst of a storm. Do you hear me? Amen. God can give you strength in the midst of the storm. If you're working out in the gym, you need to put some weights on the bar. If you're working out, you need to do something. You can't shadow run and and achieve anything. Do you hear me? You can't sit there like this and say, man, I ran a whole long way today. You can't shadow run and see something. If you're going to see results, there's got to be some resistance because results come through resistance. Some of you right now may say, well, I don't like God because he's led me through a wilderness. It's because he wants to do something inside of you. Come on, it's not because he's left you. It's not because you're in the wrong place. I've come across this scripture, it seems, a lot lately from James. James chapter 1, verse 2 through 4. And it says this, My brethren, count it all joy. When you fall into various trials. Come on, when you find yourself in a place that you don't want, and you may say, well, God, why am I here? God says, just hold on, because look what happens when the Spirit of God leads our life. We can know. Look what it says, the first word of verse 3, knowing. We can know that the testing of our faith, we can know that the guiding and the direction of God for our life is producing something inside of us. And what is it producing? It's producing patience which is another word for endurance. You know what endurance is? When you think you can't go one step further, God says, yes, you can, because I'm building something through the resistance of the struggles and the trials in your life. But let patience have its perfect work. It's perfecting work in you. You see, it's through the trials God's perfecting you. He's changing you. He's transforming you that you may be perfect. The word there is mature. That you may be mature, that you may have maturity in your life and you will be complete, that you will be lacking nothing, lacking nothing. When God looks at your life, he doesn't see who you are. He sees who he knows you were made to be. So what does that mean? When God looks at where you're at right now, he is motivated by where he wants to take you to. Come on. He's not bound by right where you're at right now. He sees that he's going to bring you through so you can be better on the other side. Come on. It would have easy been for Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego to doubt 
God and say, God, you let us down because we're in a fire. But he was the fourth man in the middle of the fire. They had to trust him. They had to believe him. But I'm telling you right now, the way they went in and the way they came out was completely different. Man, I wish someone would help me preach today. They went in maybe with some doubt in their mind. They went in questioning in a little bit. They had faith because they said, let it be known we won't bow. They had some faith, but they came out with a whole lot more faith. What they doubted going in, they trusted coming out. What about Joseph in the Bible? Joseph dreamt a dream that wasn't his dream to dream. God gave him a dream. He didn't ask for it. God gave it to him. And then what happened? His brothers hated him. They tried to kill him. They sold him into slavery. He was promoted. He was accused of rape. He was put in prison. He was locked away for years. But then he became what? Second in charge. And the greatest, most powerful nation in the face of this earth. Why? Because God's spirit led him through a wilderness. And kept sustaining him. And kept being there with him. The disciples in a boat one day. They had a storm in the middle. Jesus told them go to the other side. But in the middle, in the middle, in the middle. Look at your neighbor and say it's the middle. That's the problem many times. But when God is leading us, we're going to make it. Why? Because God is taking us somewhere. Everything he does is for a purpose. He knows what's best for your life. He knows what you can do. You know what Job had to do one day when everything but his wife was taken from him? He had to throw his hands in the air and says, You know, though the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away, but blessed be the name of the Lord. I'm still going to trust you. I'm still going to believe in you. Though he slay me, yet... Will I still trust him? You know what Galatians 6, 9, I haven't got the scripture, but you know what it says? It says this, never grow weary in doing good. Because if you don't lose heart, if you don't give up, if you don't quit, you're going to reap. You're going to reap. You're going to see the results. You're going to see the blessing. I just really feel led to share this like I did in the nine o'clock service, not on my notes. I really believe some of you right now are questioning where you're at. And you're saying, God, there's no way that God could have me here. There's no way that God led me here. I want to tell you right now, you're exactly where God wants you right now. You're exactly where God wants you. And what you need to do right now is throw your hands in the air and just surrender in the middle of the storm because he's the anchor that's going to bring you through. He's that which is going to sustain you. Don't get mad and frustrated and saying, God, why? Don't be like that little kid that rolls on the ground kicking their feet when they don't get their own way. Come on, and everyone else is looking around and laughing and saying, what's up with that? Come on, don't be that kind of person. Surrender your life and say, God, what do you want to do? Maybe right now your life needs direction from God. Maybe you need direction and help. You don't know what to do. Someone called me this week and pastor, they said, I don't know what to do. And the reality was I didn't have the answer for them. But you know what I said? We know one who does. And we're going to go and we're going to trust that the Holy Spirit will lead you in the pathway that you have. Maybe a wayward child right now, a spouse, a family situation that's gone south. You need direction from God how to handle that. Maybe it's a job situation. that You've been offered a promotion or things are going on and there's opportunity. You need direction from God on what to do. Maybe it's an opportunity to relocate and move or to do something. You need direction from God. Maybe it's a sickness. Maybe you've got a disease and the doctors have all these courses of, of treatment 
You need God to lead and guide your life. I want to tell you today, whatever concerns you, Jesus can and will lead you by the Holy Spirit through it. He can and He will. It doesn't, he doesn't want you to live in a state of confusion. God doesn't want to live you in a state of even hesitation. God wants you to walk in boldness. Come on, God wants you to have a confidence in your life, knowing that the Holy Spirit's going to lead my life. Come on, I don't have to be afraid. I can trust in Him. Come on, it's at those times that you've just got to lean a little bit closer. Turn to your neighbor and say, you've just got to lean a little bit closer. What do I mean by that? Lean a little bit closer. If someone's trying to tell you something and they're whispering to you, what do you do? You lean in. So you're here. It's during the times that we want direction in our life that we've got to draw so much closer to God. We've got to lean in just a little bit. In 1 Kings chapter 19, you see God positioned Elijah on the side of a mountain in a cave. And God revealed himself to Elijah. Elijah's feeling sorry for himself. Jezebel's trying to kill him. He's already seen the prophets of Baal destroyed as God sent fire down from heaven. He spoke and the rain began to come. But here's a man that's now running for his life because one lady says, I'm going to kill you. He wants God to kill him. He wants God to take him out. And God says, you go over here and I'm going to deal with you. And God dealt with him. And the Bible says that God caused him to stand in the mouth of a cave. And the Bible says that a fire came past and an earthquake came past and wind came past. And God said, I'm not in those things. But then the Bible says, 1 Kings 19, 12, read it yourself. And then a still, small voice. A gentle whisper, a whisper, a whisper. Why would God say to Elijah, because God is in wind, he uses wind. In Acts, the wind of God came upon them. He uses fire. Fire came down from heaven. He uses an earthquake as it shook the bonds and and it set them free as Paul and Silas were in prison. God uses those things. But what God wants us to know above all those things, it's not by might, it's not by power, but it's by my leading spirit, says the Lord. And sometimes you need just to lean in just a little bit so you can hear the voice of God because we live in a noisy world, it's a distracting world. When you need God to lead you, come on, lean in. Lean in just a little bit more so you can hear that delicate whisper as he speaks to your life. Come on, he wants to direct your life. He wants to keep you from getting lost, which is another way for saying, keep you from going the wrong way. Number two, you ready? Power. Say with me, power. We talked about this last Sunday. But look what it says in Luke 4, verse 14. Again, the continuance of Jesus. Jesus has been baptized. He's led into the wilderness. He's now overcome the wilderness experience. He's been an overcomer. He's victorious. And now look what it says. Then Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee. And news went out throughout all the surrounding regions. The second result of a Spirit-filled life and Spirit-filled living is power. Being led of God. And being empowered by God. And again, we would later see this and hear this as Jesus tells his disciples. And it was, uh, it's our theme scripture for this month. Look what he says in Acts 1 verse 8. He says, but you will receive power. 
when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, you shall be witnesses to be. You may my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, till the ends of the earth. And I don't want to be redundant, but that word power there is dunamis in the Greek. It's the word we get from, or what we get from that is the word dynamite. It's dynamite power. If ever there's an obstacle or something in the way, you know what they use in the natural right now to remove it? They drill some holes in it. They stick some dynamite in it and it blows it out of the way. Think about that. God says, I want to give you dynamite power. That every obstacle, every circumstance and situations that may present itself against you. Come on, I want to be the dynamite of your life. I want to be the power behind everything that you say and everything that you do. And why do we need the power of God? Because we need his power to help us to do three very important things. First, here's the first thing. Point A, we need his power to help us live out faith. To live out our faith in front of those around us. We need his power to help us to live out our faith to our families and our friends. We need his power to give us a boldness that we need. We don't need timidity. Look what 2 Timothy 1 verse 7 says. God has not given us a spirit of fear. That word is timidity. To be timid means to be easily frightened, to lack self-confidence in facing situations, to be afraid to do or try something hard and risky. God says, I haven't given you that. Come on, that's not what my Holy Spirit wants to enable you to do. God says, I haven't given you timidity. But God says, I've given you what? Power. And I've given you love and I've given you a sound mind. There's a boldness God desires to give us that we can be a godly witness to those around, that we can stand up. It's hard, isn't it, to talk to our families sometimes about God. It's hard when they look at us and laugh at us. So what do we tend to do? We tend to shy back and we tend not to say anything. When the opportunities arise where we can make the stand, we so often are silent. Come on, we need the power of the Holy Spirit that we can live out our faith in those circumstances and situations that we can challenge and correct what is wrong by first allowing God to change our lives. Because too many of us want to live as the spiritual police, identifying everyone else's problems, but yet living like hell ourselves. Want to point out in everyone else what we excuse in our own lives. Christianity today has become more about what we are opposed to than the benefits that are available through it. I want to read something that I read last week on Instagram. It's a pastor in England wrote this, and I thought, how incredible is this? It's called The Barking Dog. The Barking Dog. I hate that we, the church, have become known for what we are against. We are famous for our intolerance of everything from homosexuality to Harry Potter. You name it, a church somewhere seems to be against it. We've become like an angry dog, I recall from my childhood, who barked all day long and sometimes for no apparent reason. It barked at every passerby. It barked at every car, cat, dog, and mailman. It even barked when no one passed by, as if to remind itself that barking was its thing. 
Eventually, the dog became a major irritant to our neighborhood. We avoided it, or even at sometimes as kids, we deliberately made it mad. I don't want our church or yours to be a barking dog of your community. Jesus wasn't known for what was he Jesus wasn't known for what he was against. He wasn't known as a Pharisee hater or a tax collector's worst nightmare. He was known as a friend of sinners. He was called a healer. He was called a teacher. He was a helper of people and may I say all people. What a wonderful reputation to have. I wonder if that's the reputation we have in our communities and in our families. You see, the church is not a resistant movement. It's a replacement movement. God so loved the world that he did not send us an ultimatum. He sent us an invitation. Think about that. Think about that. Think about that in our lives. We need the Holy Spirit so we can be a witness to what the benefits are for living for God. Not just condemning every life and every person. Come on, it's not that we don't stand up for what's right. Yes, we do. And we don't yield and we don't give in to that. But come on, we've got something greater. The reason there's darkness is because there's an absence of light. I was just walking in my neighborhood this morning. And when I was walking this morning, it was still pitch black. And I looked up and I saw all the stars in the sky and I began to praise God and as I walked around my neighborhood a couple of times I noticed the sun had come out and now all of a sudden I couldn't see the stars anymore and the darkness was gone but may I remind you today the stars are still there the reason I can't see them is because the light now has filled the darkness come on the reason this world is dark and is in sin because we do not have the power of the Holy Ghost to be an effective witness to those around and we talk more about about the darkness instead of just being the light. Come on, don't curse the darkness, light a candle. Be what God has called you to be. It's time to live out our faith. It's time to be the proper image to those around. We need the Holy Spirit to enable us with power to do that. Point number B, why we need power. We need power to overcome the challenges and the problems that we're facing. You don't have to do it on your own. In fact, you can't do it on your own. One thing I've realized about addictions and strongholds is this. They work in a circle or a cycle. You can beat it and you think you've beat it, but guess what? You're going to come back around to the top again. There's a cycle that you will go through. Come on, Jesus came to break the cycle. He came to break the bondage and the stronghold that you don't have to get off and go around and be clean for five, six weeks and then use again. You can break the cycle. Come on, the Holy Spirit wants to help you to overcome those things. And we all have problems in our life. We all have challenges that we're facing. And if today you say, I don't have no problems and challenges, then we're praying for you because you really have major problems. John 16, verse 7, Jesus speaking of the Holy Spirit, he says, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper, say with me, helper, he will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. The parakletos is the word for helper. The one caught alongside. I need the power of the one beside me to help me live an overcoming life. To live victorious through the temptations. Because we know temptations are coming. It's not a question of if, it's a question of when. Because they're coming. But God is faithful, that scripture tells us. No temptation has overtaken you except it's common to man. God is faithful. He will bring you through. He will touch your life. He wants to be actively involved in bringing change and transformation to your life. 
And point number C, we need the power of God to help us live life full. To live a full life for God. To live in the promises of God. You know, we used to sing a song in Sunday school that said, Every promise in the book is mine. We never grow out of that song. Did you hear that? We sang that at Sunday school, but we never grow out of that song. We grow out of songs like, Barney, I love you, you love me. We grow out of stuff like that. Why? Because it's not real. Well, love is real. But not all the, yellow, the raindrops were lemon drops and what, well, what a world that would be. Standing outside with my mouth open wide. Come on, some of you got kids. You've got to know that. But you never grow out of the thought of every promise in the book is mine. But yet we're not living in the promises of God. The Holy Spirit wants to enable us once again to live in the promise of peace. To live in the promise of joy to live in the promise of hope, to live in the promise of healing, to live in the promise of love. There's so many promises from God's Word that are available for each one of us. I like what John Siebeling in his book, The Holy Spirit Today, says this. He said, too often as Spirit-filled believers, we have focused on the manifestations of the Holy Spirit, but really it's about the demonstrations. We're focused on the manifestations of people being slain in the Spirit. Things happen, the manner, but that's not what God wants His Holy Spirit to be. It's the demonstration of what happens as our life is changed. As we are set free, and each and every day. Why? Because we need the effect and the result of the Holy Spirit upon our lives, not just on a Sunday, but Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Come on, the power of God is not only powerful, but the power of God is also practical. So say with me, direction, Direction. power, Power. and the last one is this purpose, 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 purpose. I love that word purpose, meaning. God has a meaning. Reading again through Luke, what does it say in Luke 4 verse 18? That Jesus has been baptized. He's been led into the wilderness. He overcame and came out with power. And now what do we see happening in his life? He is now led with purpose. The Spirit of the Lord, Jesus says, is upon me because, say with me, because, because He has anointed me to preach, to heal, to set free, to liberate, to be a witness to those who are around. But notice what Jesus said, the Spirit of God is upon me now because, because. You see, God gives us direction and power because. He gives us those things for a purpose. He gives it to us for a purpose. And you know what that purpose is? Not just for your life, but for other people. It's for others around you. We all need a because. We need a purpose in our lives because there are other people who are lost. What tends to happen when we get caught up in our problems and our circumstances and our situations? What happens? All we see is our problems. We don't see beyond them. We get consumed with us. And that's what the enemy wants us to do, be consumed with us that we don't see the world that needs our help. I wonder today what your because is. What is your because? Good question, isn't it? What is your purpose? I'm telling you right now, as a parent, your because is your kids. I'm telling you as a husband and wife, your because is your spouse. I'm telling you today that your because is that you're a great worker. But I wonder what the purpose is that God has because the purpose God has for your life is bigger than you. That's why you need the Holy Spirit to enable you to function in that 
and to be what God has called you to be. The Bible says Jesus was anointed, literally means he was covered with the Holy Spirit. He was anointed for purpose with meaning. 1 Peter 2 verse 9 says this, But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. We all love the fact that we're chosen. We love the fact that we're royalty. We love the fact that we're special people. But notice what God says. I made you all that because that you may proclaim the praises of him. I like how the Message Bible says this. God says, I've given you a purpose because why? I've called you to be an instrument to do my work, to speak for me, to tell others of the night and day difference I have made in your life. Love this, that I have taken you from nothing to something, from rejected to accepted. Don't you love that? That it's our purpose to tell people that God took me from nothing and he made me something. Because he took me from that which was rejected to a position of being accepted. I want to preach that today, but I can't. Your life was created for purpose. A purpose that the Holy Spirit can help you to live. The vision of our church is life, love and purpose. That the Holy Spirit would empower your life to be a witness for him. A clear result of being spirit-filled is that your life will be others-focused about other people and not just yourself. Here's the last question, then I'm going to close. Are you living your life to serve yourself, really? Or are you living your life to serve and help other people? The Holy Spirit wants to give you the direction that you need. The power to walk that way And then the ability to reach other people as you fulfill the purpose and the meaning that God has for your life. What an awesome, incredible life is available to each one of us by way of the infilling power of the Holy Spirit. That we can live victorious with direction, with power and with purpose. Each and every one of us needs that constantly in our lives every day. Would you stand to your feet with us today? Each and every one of us needs direction, power, and his purpose in our lives. You do today. I do today. And I know, again, for some of you, this may be foreign. It may be strange. But what did we say at the beginning? Have a hunger for it. Ask God for it. Begin to pray and seek God. Trust God that God's going to take care of this for you. That God's going to fulfill that in your life. That he's going to enable your life and he's going to strengthen your life. In a few moments, I'm going to invite everyone to come to the front with us. And we're going to pray together and we're going to believe for God to fill your life, for God to infill your life with His Holy Spirit. But before we do that, I wonder today if there's anyone here today that does not know Jesus, that you don't know Him as Lord and Savior because salvation is God's gift to the world and then the Holy Spirit is His gift to the church. It's it's salvation that enables us to be able to, or it's salvation that is that which we need to make it to heaven. And like we say, it's the Holy Spirit, I believe, we need that helps us to keep us saved. 
But I wonder today if you're not saved and if you're not living for God. And we want to give you the opportunity today. If that's you, or maybe you've, you've given Christ your life, but you've wandered away. But today you want to make a fresh commitment to God. If that's you, would you lift up your hand? We want to pray for you today. Is there anyone here? Is there anyone here today that would say, pray for me, Pastor? I want to give my life or rededicate my life to God. Is there anyone? Is there anyone? Is there anyone? Here's what I want us to do today. Could we all just begin to make our way to the front right now? And as you come, would you just begin to push as close as you can? We're just going to begin to sing. We're going to worship. And here's what I want you to do. When you come to the front, I want you just to begin to yield your life to God. I want you just to begin to say, God... I'm hungry for you. I'm hungry for every experience that you have. And God, I'm hungry for your Holy Spirit. And God, I want you to fill me. I want you to fill me with an evidence. Come on, I want you to fill me with an evidence. Come on, he wants to give you that prayer language. Come on, all over this place, just begin to come right now. Come on, right now, just push down to the front. Come on, say, I want the best of God. I want everything of God. I want God for my life. I want his Holy Spirit in my life. Come on, as you begin to come, why not just begin to lift up your hands right now? Why not just begin to surrender your life to God and say, right now, God, I want everything that you have, God. Come on right now. Thank you for listening to the Holy Spirit Enabling Power. Our prayer is that you've been challenged in a new way today. If you need anything or just someone to talk or listen, we're here for you. Call us at area code 225-274-1607 or email us at pastorp at hflc.us or visit our website at www.hflc.us. And remember, when you put God first, everything you do will prosper.